you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast has quietly released Jared Goff. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler and Chris Wessling. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, you you two had quite a night based on the evidence that I gathered. I was nowhere to be seen with you. Where were you? Well, I had this adult pajama party to go to, which I didn't even know was a thing that human beings did mm. over the age it's of It's not three. really, but yeah. Well, I was kind of a <laughs> tag-along guest at this party, and then uh, Dan and I ended up at the Cozy late, late at night. We got Cozy at the Cozy. My only interaction, that's a, that's a bar right up the street from the NFL media operations. I, I stayed home with the family, but I did attempt to interact with you <laughs> through um, a device where you can play jukebox right. songs off your phone. And I put about fifteen. No, no money spent anywhere else. So I put about fifteen dollars into this app wow. and dropped "It's Raining Men" roughly fifteen times into the cozy jukebox. But I hear it didn't get played as much it, as I thought it would. Things are a little hazy. I pulled off a, a, a rare move where I stayed home with the family till midnight, and then the wife turned in, and then I headed to the cozy. <laughs> and it was still. I had not heard it. No one had heard it. All night, and then right around, I would say, 1.30, Wes? Yeah, it was about one fifteen, one thirty. right when I was about to get an Uber and call it a night. I hear it's raining men on the jukebox it's and thought of Mark in, immediately. Raining men in pajamas, apparently. I can't believe you <laughs> invested that much money in a bit. No, well, think. I'm thinking had I gone to the cozy, it would have cost me probably 50, 60 bucks or something, so... Money spent, money well, money well spent. Yeah. Mark has some pretty elaborate bits. That does not surprise me. Yeah. So yes, this is the uh, Sunday Week 17 flagship edition of the Around the NFL podcast. A uh, lot of games to get to as the regular season came to a close uh, today. 16 games to talk about. Greg Rosenthal, who you may be aware of his work. From no, elsewhere. it can't be. That's NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> He was in San Diego for today's Chiefs-Chargers games, and we'll get to him a little bit later. That voice was also with us at the Cozy Inn. Yes, the great frags. My muse. My drop <laughs> muse, and no one else can have her. But me sitting in and, uh, for Greg uh, is Cletus for another show, my 12-ounce uh, water cup. Uh, hopefully Greg returns. We'll talk to him in a few minutes, but a lot to get to. Uh, this podcast, of course, sponsored by Mr. Flames economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. F. Happy New Year to Mr. F as well. And uh, let's start today's show on the throne of ease. Brady from the gun. Short drop, quick throw. Caught for the first down by Edelman and more to the 40 midfield. Inside the 40 at the Miami 30. No one will catch Julian Edelman all the way to the house for a New England touchdown. 
Blood force trauma. Kevin Lee, Westwood One Sports with the call. The New England Patriots capped another outrageously successful regular season with a 35-14 wipeout of the Dolphins. The win locked up the AFC's number one seed for the Pats and locked the Miami Dolphins into the sixth seed. Um, Chris Wessling, uh, Tom Brady, three more touchdown passes, finishes the season, 28 touchdowns, two picks, the best ratio in NFL history with a minimum of 300 attempts. Winter is coming for this man. Yeah, just not yet. In like six <laughs> years, you're right. Eh, we'll see. You know what? He's a real hero, though, just for removing Nick Foles from the NFL record book. <laughs> that is. We can all get behind that. Yeah. That, that strange 25-2. and two. Yeah, 27 and 2. 27 and 2. That was a blight. Not the only person attached to that record that is likely to be removed, but Ooh, we can get spoiler into that alert. later. Yeah. Nice tease, bro. This was a game heavy on Julian Edelman and Michael Floyd, who carried a few Dolphins defenders into the end zone, had a nice toe-dragging catch on the sideline, and then sprung Edelman for that 77-yard touchdown that you just heard with a vicious block on Tony Lippett. Michael Floyd looking like a big pickup. Brady likes him coming off those. What a great redemption story! Because of that big body, I, he's some. He's someone the Patriots haven't really had with that big body and speed down the, down the sideline. I hear what you're saying, Dan, but it is something that the Patriots do better than any other team, and to the level that no other team we've ever seen does. They bring guys in that don't work in other organizations, and two weeks later. He's starring well, in your write-up. He's a center stage in fine. your write-up. Yeah, I'm sure he's a useful player. A lot of teams stayed away from him because he got like a historic DUI, and most teams don't associate themselves with that type of situation. The Pats don't care. They don't well, care. And it's working out for their team. That's just yeah. not even true. What? It was most a- teams have had DUI guys on their roster. No, I said historic. Did you see the video? Historic. What's, well, I mean, what's the video mean? What do you mean, what's the video mean? Just because there's a video out, it's a much worse offense? I am saying that it was a very bad uh, situation, and it's uh, or he's a repeat offender in the DUI category, and the the, the Patriots are the only team to make a claim See, on him. Some, teams, in this, some teams wouldn't want it. Yeah, in this individual it. circumstance, the, the Patriots were the only team. That's hardly true throughout history or even in the last few years. I'm only speaking about this particular okay. instance. That's well, I, I think that's just wrong to single out the Patriots and say they run their operation like in some kind of underhanded manner just because well, I was actually, this particular time. I was actually pointing out that they're good at that, not that it was underhanded. That they. That I was they pointing take, out that it was underhanded. All right, I was going to say they bring in what other teams can't make work and they make it work. Or they find out right away that, it, that and if they don't work in New England, they typically don't really work anywhere else. So, I mean, 14-2 and two and – Not to get that caught on that point, sorry. Yeah, a, a tremendous uh, season, 14-2 and two they go. They're undefeated on the road. And, uh, you know, on, on the other side of it, uh, Wes, the Dolphins had something to play for in this game. They could have moved up. And once again, this makes you wonder how much longer uh, we're going to see the Dolphins when you see an effort like this at home. Yeah, I, I just think they were outclassed by a team that's much better than them. And I think we'll probably see something similar next week. The Dolphins beat the Steelers early in the season when Big Ben was trying to play through an injury. And the Dolphins outplayed them. Jay Ajayi hit a big game. This is a totally different Steelers team right now, though, especially on defense where they're much better. And they haven't lost since Sean Davis, their rookie strong safety, entered the starting lineup. I just think the Dolphins, with Matt Moore at quarterback, cannot hang with superior offenses. I would say that the Dolphins, up until today, were, all, were sort of overachieving with, that, with Matt Moore at center, but, or at under center, but it's because they were playing – 
some really ragged defenses, and then you run into the number one scoring defense, and you're right, it's a dose of reality. How are you going to go into Pittsburgh and handle that? that I, I, it, there are a number of playoff teams you got to wonder if they're already on life support. And uh, their defense is an issue, too. I believe they've given was up last the, week too. the most yards in Dolphins history this year. These teams get out of this game healthy? As far as I know, they did. Okay. Uh, so that's what's going on uh, with the Pats. They have the number one seed. Who has the number two seed in the AFC? We know that. And before we get into it, let's welcome on the line. Uh, he is, uh, you know, a beloved member of the team uh, now traveling across uh, the world. Greg Rosenthal, you know, it's so great to be around an NFL Network star. Greg, are you there? What is happening? Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. A very smooth uh, ship right now sailing uh, in Studio 66. Uh, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm doing well. You know, I'm, I'm feeling a little threatened by your boy, Cletus, but uh, I'm going to try to bring it here. Yeah, Cletus the Cup is once again sitting in on the show. Uh, don't, don't worry about it. It's just, you know, he's here. It doesn't mean that you don't have a chair to come back to. Uh, well, that's good. You know, you, you take off for, a, for a, a funeral of a family friend and suddenly you're getting boxed out. It's a cold business around here, as, as I learned today in San Diego. Yeah, Cletus don't care. Yes, a cold, a cold business it can be, and that's because uh, we learned that Mike McCoy out in San Diego. What are you hearing, Greg? Well, what a, what a, what a brutal business um, this is. You know, they, they were at the end of the game, they're playing, um, you know, Stand by me, and they're playing. Uh, you know the song they play at graduation, and everyone's cheering the Chargers after they go off the field for the one last time. And then McCoy gets to the tunnel, and the crowd just boos him mercilessly. Oh man! He that's goes terrible. to the locker room. He does a press conference. He he makes his case to the media why he should be back next year. And basically, the second he gets off the podium, he he gets fired. Oh man! He finished with a twenty-seven and thirty-seven record in the regular season over four seasons, one and one in the postseason. But those two playoff games came all the way back in two thousand thirteen. Uh, uh, he, Mark, you would say that this was not uh, something that he didn't earn. I mean, this, the Chargers have under—they um, haven't played well. I I do feel for Mike McCoy though because they were hit with, and this, they're not the only team. This is true of an incredible laundry list of injuries. And, you know, I think the Cleveland game probably cemented this if it wasn't cemented long before. But if they're also going to move to Los Angeles, it's probably only going to amp up the chance of a clean break with a coach that I think has nine regular season wins over the last two years. I thought he he deserves credit for keeping that team competitive. I agree. On a week-in, week-out basis with that spate of injuries the last two years ultimately done in by fourth-quarter failures, which, you know, often were his own doing. What else was, uh, what was the vibe there, Greg, for the potentially and quite possibly the last game in San Diego? It was weird. You know, I talked to a lot of the fans beforehand, and, you know, some of, a lot of them, you know, the ones that were left here, it's like they get a bad rap because, you know, a chunk of the stadium was empty, but it was a loud crowd. But the ones that were here, it was like they're the last of the diehards. They were talking about how most of their family members have given up on the team and they make fun of them for still going. And it's like they used to have a group of 25 people who would go every every year, every single game, and now it's down to like six. So it's the last of, of the diehards. And it's a, it was a strange vibe because they went through it all last year. Like last year, I think they were sad and they were embracing the team. And this year they're just annoyed and, you know, 
pissed at Dean Spanos essentially, and and everyone was basically saying if they leave, like forget them. They're not they're not going to be rooting on the L.A. Chargers or right. the Las Vegas Chargers. That's I think that's something that they it, they're sort of boldly slash brashly you know diving into this move to L.A. thing, which I think people in L.A. are very mixed on the idea of that working. But um, one of the one of the fans you spoke to, Sally Morgan. Uh, in quotes, we supported this team when we didn't have much to support most years, and now they might leave us, question mark. That's unacceptable. Sally Morgan, Greg, real person? <laughs> real person. Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't well, sure that was Questioning your journalist chops right there in a big spot. No, I, I, I want to confirm. There, uh, I'm out there talking. Yeah, she, she, was, one, she was one of uh, – she had had season tickets. I think her, her husband had been coming since 62 since he was seven years old at Balboa Stadium. Wow. I mean, they were they were pretty heartbroken. That that group especially was was just kind of sad. And I think the the thing that's crazy is I think this I still think they could be back next year. I, I don't think the NFL wants them to leave. And but that's that's a story for another podcast. Uh, Mark neatly potentially tying you into a plot thread from the final season of The Wire there. I liked it. Let's let's Whatever now it takes. let's now turn our attention uh, to the game itself. First yeah. punt of the game is at 117 to go in the third quarter. Now Tyreek Hill takes it at the five. San Diego didn't think he was going to take it. Here he goes. He's at the 25-30. They blocked the punter. The cheat is gone. They can't get to him. Tyreek Hill stays on the right boundary. Ten, five, touchdown, Kansas City. A 98-yard punt return for a touchdown. And now Tyreek Hill, his 12th rookie touchdown. Yes, Mitch Holtis, KCFX, Tyreek Hill did it again. 37-27 win for the Chiefs over the Chargers. The win coupled with the Oakland loss clinches uh, the AFC West uh, for the Chiefs and locked Kansas City into that second seed and the first round bye that comes with it. So, uh, Greg, uh, how about the Chiefs? What were you seeing there? Well, they're they're kind of the same team every week, which is amazing. And, and, the, and the difference, I think, this year between last year is Tyreek Hill. I mean, like Eric Berry said, he he's kind of the X factor. He's he's the extra thing that kind of puts them over the top. Um, Tom Bali was talking, and I thought he made a good good point. They know they're not a dominant offense. They know they're not a dominant defense. They've got special teams, but they they, they think that if all three of their groups are playing well, it's, it's it's a little bit of a cliche, but as they have been, then they're a really tough team to beat. And that that's how every week kind of plays out for them. The yardage is. is similar between the two teams in most of this game but they win the turnover battle they get the big plays on offense and and he said chris jones who i know chris has been talking up uh is the best three technique he's ever seen high praise pretty good not bad greg you uh mentioned on our Client, I am client during the game. That whoa, you whoa, were, whoa, we don't say that around here. Apologies, should not have mentioned yeah. the name of the of the client. You uh, you were sitting near some sort of um, cheerleading commander slash coach. I couldn't Offensive quite coordinator. I couldn't quite <laughs> picture what what was going on with you. Can you can you paint that for us? Well, this this was really the better part of the game for me. Apparently, cheerleading <laughs> coaches have someone up in the booth like an offensive coordinator who's barking down instructions through a headset to tell them all what to do. And it was nonstop. And, and you do not want to cross this lady. I mean, she is she is yelling at people saying, you know, hands behind their back, line up, line up, no, 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 like screaming and yelling at them 
Uh, they're Sounds messing terrible. up. You know, she's telling them what to do. And this is, this is for three hours straight. And the Chargers might be a mess, but the cheerleaders, I feel like, are, are in good hands. All right. Greg, are you going to be on the show on Tuesday? I will be back. Oh, okay. I promise. It's we- NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> well, we anxiously await your return. Trampling. And, and uh, make sure make sure you, you drive safely, and Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year. All right. Yep. One final thought on the Chargers. They, yes. That fan base doesn't really get the credit they deserve, but that franchise has been in San Diego longer than any team that has ever moved in the NFL. They've been there for over 50 years. It's kind of flown under the radar a little bit what kind of uh, what kind of seismic uh, shift this would be for that region. But the way Greg put it, the people he was talking to, they're ready for it to happen if it's going to happen. It sounds like it's reached that point in terms well, of Well, it's almost like, a, like a, a breakup where you break up, then you get back together a little bit, and then you realize – uh-uh. Yeah, it's just not working. Uh, speaking of the Oakland Raiders, let's uh, let's talk about them. Simeon, they set up the screen. Booker on the left side. He has it. Booker's inside the 35, inside the 30, inside the 25. Foot race 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Denver. 43 yards on a screen pass. And the gamble by Jack Del Rio backfires in a big way. 16-0, Denver. Dave Logan, KOA with the call. The Broncos uh, won't have a chance to defend their Super Bowl title in the playoffs, but they at least go out a winner, a 24-6 win over the reeling Oakland Raiders, who played like a team still mourning for their lost quarterback. Mark, Matt McGloin got beat up in this game, uh, exited with a shoulder injury, his non-throwing shoulder, um, but you have to be worried about them. They're all the way down to the five seed now, and they're on their third quarterback. What's going on here? I think we were worried about them already and this just simply confirmed that doubly I mean it's not easy to go into Denver and win I don't care who you are but the idea that we could get either Matt McGloin again after the way he looked today or Connor Cook and that still sounds like it's it's up in the air to some degree uh Jack Del Rio said he would want to go with McGloin if he's if he's available because of the the sheer experience which makes sense Connor Cook looked like a naive out there it was not a good sight so yeah I think this is you know they're going into Houston I can't. You could not handcraft a better playoff team to have to go face no matter what situation you're in. But it, I think we're looking at two teams in Houston and Oakland that are going to take quick exits unless Oakland specifically turns it around very quickly. I think Houston must look at Oakland and say, "What a great, sure, what a great gift we've been given to face a team with the, as many quarterback questions as we have." <laughs> and then you know we picked on the Texans all year, but they play defense at home just about as well as anyone in the league. And if you're going against Matt McGloin or Connor Cook with that defense at home, I think the Texans might have to be favored in this game. Right. The only gift that no one will get, the viewer will not get a gift. Right. I was going to say that. I mean, that we are kind of banged in a big spot as, as, as the football fan here. Uh, but that's just the way it is, and it's, it's amazing, and I, I feel terribly um, for Raiders fans who have been waiting so long to kind of get back into relevance that how much things have changed – uh, on Christmas Eve, in the second half, they're they're whipping up an opponent. Uh, and Derek Carr looks better than ever. And then in the blink of an eye, he's gone. And then really reality set in through this game. Like, oh, Matt LeGloin, is gonna, that's an uphill battle with him. And then he gets – I mean, they are in deep trouble. And you're right, Wes. The Texans, I would uh, – you know, it's, we're not picking the games yet. But I, I feel like they, they're in a very good spot. They're going to stack the box 
on Latavius Murray and Jalen Richard, DeAndre Washington, and dare the quarterback to beat them, whichever quarterback it is. Right, and look what happened today because Denver's rushing defense, you know, if you're watching these Broncos games, they've been vulnerable. You can run on them, but 57 yards for the Raiders today. And I, I think on Thursday we talked about the one way you want to come in and set the tone if you're Oakland, come in and run the ball on them because Oakland does have a diverse backfield. They've been able to do that, and the opposite happened. And so, yes, it's a terrible diagnosis potentially against Houston. And uh, Mike Florio of NBC Sports reported uh, that Gary Kubiak told Broncos players after the game that he will retire uh, we we heard about this earlier Sunday that health issues are uh, playing a role. So Kubiak uh, getting ready uh, to step aside. And Wes, uh, where does the Broncos job rank uh, in terms of uh, best available head coaching jobs right now? I think it has to rank at the top. When you're talking about the ownership group and John Elway, that is one of the best run teams in the NFL. They have a rich history. They've got the nucleus of a great defense. You may or may not have a shot at Tony Romo or, or even if you keep Trevor Simeon, promising start today out of him. But I think the coaching lineup there, it stacks up to be pretty interesting. Vance Joseph, Miami's defensive coordinator, is in the running per rap sheet, which is interesting because Wade Phillips, who's been a mastermind with that defense, is not under contract in 2017. Uh, let's move on to the NFC. And speaking of number two seeds. Ryan in the gun. Takes the snap. Here comes the pressure. Matt going to throw. Hardy to catch. He broke the plane. Touchdown, Atlanta. What a great catch against Sterling Moore for Justin Hardy. West Durham WZGC with the call. The Falcons scored on all five of their first half possessions, then withstood a Saints comeback attempt in the second half. The final score, 38-32. The Falcons win. They lock up the number two seed in the NFC. Uh, Matt Ryan put the finishing touches on his MVP resume, throwing four touchdowns all in the first half. Chris Wessling, the Falcons rolled up over 320 total yards in the first half alone. You know, who could stop this offense in January? It's a good question. You know, every week they look like they're getting more and more honed. They're clicking on all cylinders every week. And then this first half, it was just incredible. They score on the opening drive for the sixth straight week. They score a touchdown, which is the first time that's happened since the merger. And then they go, by the middle of the second quarter, they've had, they faced one-third down while scoring four touchdowns. That's just incredible efficiency. They had only had the ball for four minutes in that span. I, I am so happy as just a pure fan to see Atlanta notch that number two seed because for all the teams that might have snuck into the playoffs that we aren't overly uh, impressed with, the idea of Atlanta and Dallas – facing off, or Green Bay in Atlanta, or Green Bay in Dallas, and even you throw Seattle in there, I think they've got some weaknesses. But the NFC playoffs line up to be fascinating, and it's the Atlanta Falcons. You know, last year they peaked so early, and then it was they just vanished. The way they're playing right now, it is it. I don't know who would want to deal with them right now. It, 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 their offense is, is white hot. We had the little exercise last week where we were pitching MVP candidates, and Wes, you spoke about Matt Ryan I, I made the case for Aaron Rodgers, but I think that Matt Ryan, he once again, I mean, if, if he had to rubber stamp uh, his resume, or not that you rubber stamp resumes, but you know where I'm going with that. Sure. Um, <laughs> he did it again. I mean, and you said it, Wes, from week one to week 17, this guy was one of the very best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the league almost every week, and that's why you should be the MVP. There are so many numbers that support his case. After today, he finishes with a 117.1 passer rating. Tom Brady's in that magical 2007 season was 117.2. 
they're virtually identical. And Matt Ryan's going to have the highest yards per attempt uh, of any quarterback in history with 400 passing attempts. I do think their defense, which is this, I'm not breaking news here, has been an issue all year, continues to be one. And it's, but you know what? Sometimes you roll into the playoffs with this kind of an offense and you make up for your defense. I mean, we've seen teams with last-ranked rushing attacks win the Super Bowl. There's always these quirks to these teams. Yeah, they their defense was a little bit better today than the final numbers were show. It was 38-13, to 13, I believe, late in the third quarter or early fourth. So it was a, it was a blowout. Um, all right, so we know that the same – oh, we should touch on the Sean Payton – uh, rumors floating around out there, Mark. What are, what are the people? What are the streets saying? Streets talking. Well, there were whispers that there is mutual interest between Sean Payton, whose news, whose name creeps into the news and into these circles every year, every single season, and it's it's from it's the result of an active agent and in some cases an, an act of imagination. But I think there's something to this that the Rams and Sean Payton may have mutual interest, and uh, you know if you put it all together, it makes some sense. The, but he's the, under contract. He just. Walked around the owners' meetings last March with his little briefcase <laughs> with a contract extension in it. So, what, you know. What do the Rams have to trade? I mean, you already gave up your first-round pick to the Titans. It's a good question. They, I mean, this is a, the Rams for a team that just got to this highly desirable market, feel like a, a desperate team. If you look at the game, we'll talk about the Rams um, a little later, but if you, if you look at uh, that stadium – today. There was nobody there. They need juice. Sean Payton would provide some juice, I think, but we'll see what happens. Uh, this could be all smoke, but we got the time to figure it out. Um, the Washington Redskins had a chance uh, to uh, get back into the playoffs. Uh, did they take advantage of their opportunity? First and 10 at the Giant 23. And it's a play fake. Cousins looking. Backside pressure. He throws. Defender falls down. And a pass that's picked off on the near sideline. Dominic Rogers Cromarty. He was looking for Maurice Harris, who stumbled, and Cromartie right on the spot gets the pick, the 29th of his career, his fifth of the season, and the momentum out of this building for the Redskins. Mm. As well as their playoff hopes. John Sadick, Westwood won sports. The Redskins had everything to play for on Sunday, and they gave it away more accurately. You like that? No, we didn't, Kurt, because you gave it away. Your fourth quarter interception sealing Washington's fate in a 19-10 loss to the Giants. Uh, For New York, it was another showcase of their excellent defense, uh, which has made enough plays to cover for a slacking offense. Wes, uh, Kirk Cousins cost himself millions of dollars with one ill-fated throw, yes or no? I don't think so. I think he's still getting paid. They easily broke the franchise record for uh, most yards this year. I think Kirk Cousins, since midseason of 2015, owns the NFL's highest passer rating. I think he's proven that he can run a pretty darn explosive offense. But those two games where you controlled your own destiny against the Panthers Mm. and a Giants team that really had not much to play for, that's so depressing that you could not win those two games. In your building, I mean. I I think also, yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins, his name is on that highlight meltdown play, but there's a lot more to the Redskins' failures than just Kirk Cousins. I think he definitely coaches and GMs when they evaluate the whole body of work to Kirk Cousins. If you're one of these seven, eight, nine teams without a quarterback, he is a much safer proposition than hoping you can, you know, strike it rich with a second-round quarterback or something that you have to start from absolute scratch with. 
They also rushed for 28 and 38 yards in those two home losses to the Panthers yeah. and Giants. That's just as big of a problem, if not bigger. Yeah. When they were good, we saw them pounding people with run, but that they feels at so this point months ago, right? Yeah, they. this is, you know, it's a, it's a team loss, obviously, but D'Angelo behind the glass, who's a Redskins fan, we were just talking about this before the show. It, it, I, I felt what, it, what he felt last year in Week 17 when the Jets blew a chance to get to the playoffs when Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions in the fourth quarter against the Bills. Kirk Cousins, you know, he blew this game because they they were struggling to get going in the in in off on the offensive side of the ball all day. They finally get cooking with a big uh, pass play in the third quarter and almost immediately throws the red zone interception to kill off one drive. And then he throws the pick uh, when they were right outside knocking on the door of field goal range again. He's going to get paid. I think I think the Redskins would not be wise to to overreact to this game. But it does make you think a little bit. Is Kirk Cousins really the guy that you want to pay $100 million? They're kind of in a weird spot where they might not believe it but still do it anyway. Everybody gets $100 million. If you're a quarterback in the NFL and you're a, if you're the franchise guy, and he's proven, I think, over the last two years to be the franchise guy, you're getting $100 million. I, I like that New York, they were locked into the fifth spot. Nothing was going to change for them, that they played their starters from wire to wire. And you see a guy like Paul Perkins, 102 yards on the ground, 161 total for the Giants. Now, I, d- I don't trust them to do that week after week, but for one of their biggest weaknesses, the run game, for most of the year, it's I, an encouraging step. I don't think it's a weakness any longer. The way he's been running specifically over the past month, getting better every week, and then Rashad Jennings a little bit healthier, I think they can run the ball now. Now, whether Eli can pass it, that's a different question. That's a big – yeah, they they once again did not have a, a good offensive showing – uh, uh, Eli made a big pass, a big completion downfield to set up the field goal. They were ahead 10 nothing. Washington came back, and then they got the field goal to go to go ahead. So this is how they play. This is the, It might be surprising to what we thought they were going to be going into the season, but they try to get enough points on offense. And then we've talked about this is the season where every team has this like pretender defense. The Giants have the real deal defense. They, they have might have the best in the league. They they're holding. T- I think they've held uh, opponents uh, in the uh, twelve point range on, on a weekly basis now for about a month plus. So they, I mean, this they're the real deal on D. Can they score enough points? Let's check in on another playoff team, the Seattle Seahawks. Four man rush. Wilson has time. Throws to the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks. Wilson to Wilson. Luke Wilson five yards deep in the end zone on a slant. And it was a dart thrown by Russell, 11 yards, and the Seahawks fight their way back into this one against the Niners, 14-12. to 12. It wasn't pretty, uh, but the Seattle Seahawks, that, by the way, was Steve Rabel, K-I-R-O, uh, but the Seattle Seahawks got it done, a 25-23 win over the 49ers, who will have a new coach and general manager in the coming weeks. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, let's start with the Seahawks, who finish as uh, 10-5-1 NFC West champions and await the winner of Sunday Night Football. Pull back the curtain a little bit. We're recording this as SNF um, uh, is being played to find out their wild card opponent. Um, Mark, uh, this, you know, Seattle, th- they got the win. But again, it, you, you, you feel weird about the Seahawks going into the playoffs. I do. I mean, if we're concerned about the Giants scoring points, it's not that, not as much with Seattle. But this is a team that at halftime had 20 yards rushing and they had 10 yards in the entire first quarter. It, Chip Kelly was going for broke, going for it on fourth down twice in the first half, and, and they got up early, which is one of the only times I've seen the Niners do that. But with Seattle, 
they mind their way out of it, but I am concerned. This, they, this is against the worst defense in the league. You would think this would be a tune-up, playoff tune-up for the Seahawks, and they really struggled for much of the game until turning it on late. They, you know, they really are not a balanced team right now, and it's the counter-opposite of the Seattle teams that we've all watched over the last four or five years where you know that they're built for January football, road or at home, I don't see that with this team right now on offense. They they 25 rushes in the game for 87 yards, three and a half yards a carry against, like we said, a terrible run. Most of it came late. They 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 have issues running the ball, Wes. I don't think we can figure out who the Seahawks are right now. They're so inconsistent from week to week. Some weeks they look dominant. Some weeks they look beatable by some of the worst teams in the NFL. They could go all the way to the Super Bowl or they could lose in the first round. I, I don't think we can figure them out at all. Uh, on the 49ers side, Trent Baalke told uh, uh, radio station KNBRAM in San Francisco on Sunday afternoon that he has been fired from his position of general manager of the 49ers. And uh, Rap Sheet reported that owner Jed York and the 49ers' key decision makers are also expected to replace Chip Kelly, according to multiple sources. A full house cleaning is described as, quote, likely by several people with knowledge of the situation. Uh, it feels overdue, uh, at least from the Trent Balky angle. Was it too soon to cut ties with Chip Kelly? I'm done with Chip Kelly. I don't know what he offers the NFL that is enthralling anymore, interesting anymore. Send him back to college as far as I'm concerned. The, the one difference with this team, and, and I realize this isn't a – Niners team laden with stars with a lot of opinions necessarily. They really seem to like him. There were all these players coming out of the woodwork saying that they like Chip Kelly, that maybe I'm wondering if he had changed at all or changed his approach. But I, what are you going to tell the next candidate coming in here? Because the roster is still absolute bottom of the barrel. Yeah, you have the number two pick. That's that's not enough to save an entire franchise depending on what's there. The, I think the biggest security factor for the next candidate is that your CEO, Jed York, has fired two coaches after one season. He cannot afford to fire the next coach after one season. That guy's got some security. I think I saw a tweet that they have $30 million in salary going to their last two head coaches. It's not just the fired. head coaches. It's the whole staff. It's oh, everyone goodness. else attached to that, too. So it's an incredible amount of cash tied up to an incredible failure. That power struggle between Trent Bulky and and Jim Harbaugh could not have gone any worse for the 49ers. No. The fallout from that. Look, I get that Jim Harbaugh is hard to work with. He might drive you nuts. Great coach, though. Jed York bet on the wrong horse, and now they're uh... – they're really in football hell, and they have to dig themselves out, and they want to find new leadership to do it. Uh, let's check in on the Dallas Cowboys, who really had nothing to play for in this game, but we did get to see an old friend on the field. Cuomo in the gun, and looking left for a little fade to Williams, and a great head nod. Williams caught it. Touchdown. Romo with a touchdown on his first possession of the year, and I will guarantee you, you could see it. I don't know what they called, but Romo looked up, and he looked at Williams, and he nodded. And it was as though they said, if you get press coverage, then you go right by the guy, and I'm throwing a fade. Brad Sham, the Sham God, KRLD. And uh, Sham's exactly right. He checked, Romo checked out of – he played one series in this game. He had checked out of a run play near the goal line uh, and into that pass, and it, and it was such a, a great illustration of the chemistry – 
that Romo still has with this uh, with his receivers and the and the, his deep knowledge and understanding of the offense. It's just an interesting little uh, look into the soul of this team. So Tony Romo, crisp and efficient, one series of work. The biggest takeaway in the Eagles' seven, twenty-seven to thirteen win over the Cowboys. Romo, Dak Prescott, and Mark Sanchez all saw, saw time in this game. Um, the, the Cowboys finished thirteen and three. They have the number one seed in the playoffs in the NFC. While the Eagles finished seven and nine, matching their 2015 finish, uh, you'll take that with a rookie quarterback, right, Wes? Yeah, I, Carson Wentz is just a, such a tough evaluation because he's oozing with talent. You can see he has all of that, and he's got the commitment. He's got the the high football IQ. He's got all that, and then his mechanics are just kind of a mess right now. And you wonder how that's going to be going forward. Doug Peterson has said they expected his mechanics to be a little sloppy his first year, so we'll see if they can clean it up. But they've got some work to do as far as skill position players on that offense, too. They, uh, I, I, I've watched Wentz all season, and I would take the ups and downs with him over every single quarterback the Browns have had since Bernie Kosar in a second. And because I think it's because unlike some of these young guys that they do, if they want to, they want it or they don't. It seems like Carson Wentz is so married to this job, to this opportunity that I, I wonder if it'll be a lesson for other quarterbacks with mechanical issues coming into the NFL, how he chooses to deal with it if it's successful. The, the Eagles need to add some playmakers around him as well. One, one stat line that will jump off this page, uh, and I'm curious uh, where you guys look at him as a, an evaluation of a talent. Zach Ertz on 16 targets today, 13 catches for 139 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, looks like they have some chemistry together. Are you an Ertz fan, Wes? Doesn't he do this every week 17? <laughs> I feel like he clo- last year he closed out the year with 14 catches, I think. For 15, yeah, it seems like he shows up at the end of the year. He's not a great blocker. Uh, he's kind of just a souped-up wide receiver at tight end, but I, I just wonder why he doesn't do this more often. I mean, I wonder if it's also a function of an offense that has no field-stretching wide receivers. And, or, I mean, him, Ertz and Carson Wentz have meshed together pretty well. I think it's just because this is the guy that is around 8 to 10 yards downfield all day long for you. Breaking news. Just came over the wire minutes ago. That Chip Kelly firing is official, as is the Trent Falke dismissal. So both those guys out in San Francisco. It is official. Uh, back, uh, back to this game. In fact, you know Greg's not here. He's our, you know, our computation uh, man around here. Computation corner, do we call it us? Computations, tabutations, <laughs> something, tabulations, like whatever. But luckily, we have another robot, and he's actually over on the fantasy corner. So it's swinging over. <laughs> To Mark Sessler. What's being asked of me? <laughs> Tell us about the Dallas Cowboys. Who, who are they going to see two weeks from now? It all depends on how the seeding breaks down in the next games. I know. I just wanted to use the robot sound effect mostly. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> I can offer you nothing. Let's talk in a week. Do we have the wish you weren't a liar sound effect for Jerry Jones? After he told us that Ezekiel Elliott would play and play a lot in search of Eric Dickerson's record. Didn't come off the bench. There we go. Didn't come off the bench. Smart move, though. Whatever. Right? I don't know. Like, what? It's There's no answer. Yeah. You can say it's a smart move, or you can say it's not. I mean, I mean it, what's the right way. answer? It's it's the safer move, and, and you got nothing to lose by sitting him. If, if he plays and he ever got hurt or tweaked his knee and he was out for three weeks, Jerry Jones would be villain number one in the entire American Southwest. 
All right. So Mark is actually human, and I know that because his heart heart was racing during the Cleveland Browns finale today. There's the uh, snap, the blitz, throwing it long down the field. Touchdown, Pittsburgh! Kobe Hamilton wins the game in overtime as Landry hits him from 26 yards out, and this place is crazy. Bill Hillgrove, WDVE, with the call. Landry Jones is pretty lob past the Kobe Hamilton in OT. Was the difference as the Steelers' uh, collection of backups beat the Browns 27-24 at Heinz Field uh, in OT. As I said, the Browns had the lead in overtime. They kicked the field goal and had the game won in regulation, if not for a ghastly Isaiah Crowell fumble near the goal line. Uh, but, Mark, not all losses are bad losses, right? Well, and I and I understand that there are people in Cleveland that just want to win no matter what. They just want to win every game. And the meaningful nature of what this was tied to with the draft comes second to them. And I'm and good for them. From where I stand, I am running out of years to watch this team turn it around. If they're going to be a bad team, go into the offseason controlling the draft. It's not like you were playing a Pittsburgh team loaded with all its starters in there and this was some sort of measuring stick game. It, it was a true definition of a meaningless Week 17 hollow attempt at a potential victory. I think it's important to secure the number one pick and see where they go from here. Pittsburgh is in a completely different situation. It's so obvious to see that they're worlds away from the Cleveland Browns. Had Big Ben and the, Cl- and the rest of those people been on the field, they would have won by 25 points. Such a bizarre, bizarre game. I, I wasn't really plugged in for the first three quarters, and then I, I got invested in the fourth quarter. I think you, wrote like, you, you probably wrote like two or three <laughs> end-around posts off of the, the bizarre just, nature of this game. It was game. A, a wacky game uh, down the stretch. And uh, two things, like, Number one, I absolutely agree with you, Mark. I, we had a fundamental disagreement about whether it was important for them to win a game. Right. But once they won the game, now there's no, there's really no incentive. None of this, oh, well, they went into the offseason with two straight wins and they're going to feed off. That's all horse crap. Forget about it. Like, forget about that. And the other thing I, that, that just crossed my mind as you were talking, not that I wasn't listening to you, I was listening to you and also formulating a thought. All right, I'll take that. Can you imagine if the Browns were 0-15 and this is how they lost the last <laughs> season? I mean, they've lost some weird games, but this this thing was... It was 4th it was and, and 2 at uh, around midfield. If they get the stop there, the Browns fall out of the number yep. one pick. And then they were gonna they went for it anyway, and the Steelers said, screw it, we're going to win the game. And they, they, had a pick si- they had a, a pick six in the making yes. off of Landry Jones that got fumbled off the pylon into the end zone. Landry Jones, of all people, picked it up for a Steelers touchback. I mean, it, everything was telling you the football gods are saying, not today. And by the way, Almost never any day if you're the Browns. It's been an <laughs> I, awful season. I transcribed a sentence that Mark uttered <laughs> while the Browns were driving in overtime. I will not tolerate anyone <laughs> acting like this is some great achievement when Mitch Trubisky goes to another team and the Browns get some guard who's out of the league in three years. Well, they, you know, I remember listen, that line. Browns fans, and again, there's different camps of Browns fans like with any fan base, but the Carson Wentz thing potentially still stings. And so how many years are you going to say we're going to not even have the power to take a quarterback? I like the way you put it there. They control the draft. Yeah, the Browns have control over very little. Very little. But they control this draft, at least the first pick, and the 13th pick, I believe it is. But they have As well, what? from the Eagles. Well, it is actually – it looks like it's the 12th. It's the 1st, the 12th, the 33rd, and the 50th. That's four picks in the top 50. That's Get it right. powerful. They you have, what, 12 or 13 total? I think it's 14 picks total, but 
I'd have to confirm that again. But I, that's power, but it's only power because they've done this before. You have to draft well or it's, an, it's just heightened embarrassment. You we, have to find a quarterback. Yes, We had do. a nice conversation downstairs, Mark, that what if the, the, the Bill Belichick calls up your boy Sashi, Sashi, and says to him, yo, yo, this is Belichick. It's me, Coach Belichick. Why is he Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Have you ever heard him talk? He's not, I mean. He's never spoken before. That's not true. Yo, give me a 12th overall pick and I'll give you Jimmy G. You going to do it? Sure. Okay. I think it would be. I, I, I think, think it's a fair trade. I think that it's, it, you know, it, I don't, like, by all indication, there's not that quarterback sitting out there that you take number one overall. And I think we know that Jimmy G liked unlike some of the quarterbacks I've had in the past, cares very much about being a starting quarterback at some point. It's a risk. Yes, go for it. What are you going to get at number 12? So, it, what, their last picks in that region are not even on the team right now in most cases. So, Right. It's me. By the way. Bill the, Belichick. I think the call might go the other way. <laughs> I'm not sure Belichick's looking to, you know. Well, we, I think we learned last year that Hugh Jackson has very defined, strong opinions on quarterbacks, so he would have to be on board with that. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's check in on the other matchup in the AFC North today. Dalton back to throw. Rolls right. Throws. Caught by C.J. Uzama. Touchdown, Bengals, as C.J. Uzama has his huh? first NFL TD. Congratulations, C.J. Uh, Dan Hoard. 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 W- Sorry, Wes. There's a... There are Horde brothers in Cincinnati. There's also a cool. Greg Horde. Greg who's Horde. also a sportscaster. Is it with two G's? I don't know. Is there a Chris Horde and a Mark Horde with a C? There are only Dan and Greg Horde. Oh. They're like a sportscasting dynasty, dynasty in Cincinnati. The Horde dynasty. W-C-K-Y. Andy Dalton threw one touchdown pass, and Rex Burkhead ran for two scores as the Bengals ended their season with a 27-10 win over the Ravens in uh, what was Steve Smith's final game. Uh, we love you, Steve. Enjoy retirement. The Ravens go eight and eight, uh, while the Bengals finish a disappointing six nine and one. Chris Wessling, put on your lab coat for me. Let's go down to the lab and uh, <laughs> explain what went wrong with the Bengals this season in thirty seconds or less. The offensive line went from one of the best in the NFL to one of the worst in the NFL. The running game never really got a consistency. The defense lacked playmakers as opposed to last season. And then A.J. Green's injury, which really sabotaged them toward the end of the year. But they did find Rex Burkhead. Unfortunately, he's going to be a free agent. He went over 140 yards today. I think he can be a good pickup for somebody. It's a good thing you wear the, the lab coat because it's drafty down here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's how it is down it's, in the labyrinth. I don't understand. Why don't you just you know get a space heater or something? Uh, it's not in the budget for what the NFL pays me. Do you have any? We're back in that world. Do you have anything to add? I thought we cleared that. Uh, do you have anything to add, uh, Mark, off of what Wes said about the uh, the Cincinnati ball club? I mean, he's down in the lab. I'm just up here on the second floor of the house. Yeah, looking out the boy. window. Yeah, not really doing much. I don't Eating know how tapioca. I don't have anything to add. I think he summed it up. Uh, as what about Baltimore? I well, think- they're about to become an underground train that runs to Wes's old bar in Georgia. So. <laughs> Farewell. It's hard to take much out of this game. I think they were probably deflated after missing the playoffs and maybe didn't come out with both guns blazing in this one. Uh, Joe Flacco to Steve Smith, I think, was anticlimactic. We all thought that maybe they would feed him in his last game. He has three for 34 to end 
a stellar career, and he'll be in the Hall of Fame someday. Speaking of deflated, do you believe, Wes, that Tom Brady had a role in the deflation of those footballs <laughs> ahead of the 2014 AFC Championship? No, that never passed the smell test to me, the logic test. Why I can see that he would tell those two guys or whatever, one guy, I like my balls right at the bottom of the legal limit. That okay. made all the sense in the world to me. Do we have any other weather-worn bits we want to get into this show before it wraps? Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, let's move on, in fact, and talk about uh, this could have been a great matchup, but instead it was another uh, knock-it-out game between the Houston Texans and Tennessee Titans. Savage. Sack. Fumble. It's been recovered in the end zone by Daquan Jones. Touchdown! Titans! <laughs> oh, it's the daily double! The sack! The touchdown! And the Titans get a defensive score for the first time this year. Mm, I like that. You know what? I like the fact this is – and, Wes, you tell me if you agree with this. I know it's not the greatest call of the year, but the reason I believe it deserves top ten call of the year um, talk and speculation is because he did it in week 17 when it didn't matter – and he just still had the passion for the sport. Mm, I would disagree with you in the sense that same reason why David Johnson can't be MVP. It's a meaningless <laughs> game. I don't really care how good you up your game when the when the results don't matter. All right. I thought he brought some energy. I I you know I know you're very into this uh, Mr. Horde character from the previous <laughs> call, but I thought it brought the a little bit, little bit more energy than that than that fellow. Let's let's put it on the list, and uh, you know, and what what Wes said. Let's keep that in, under advise, advisement. The committee will take that under consideration. And by the way, we're, we're not effing around here. After the season ends, I'm thinking maybe the show after, when we get back from the Super Bowl uh, or in that time frame, we will unveil the top ten calls of 2017. Sydney's thinking, great, it's a tremendous amount of work <laughs> for me at a time when I should be kicking my feet up. Uh, yeah, so Daquan Jones put the Titans ahead with that fumble recovery, and they, and they never looked back, ending their season with a 24-17 win over the AFC South champion at Houston Texans. Both teams finished 9-7, and seven, but only one keeps playing. Mark, Tom Savage left this game with a concussion. What's his status? Tom Savage is real. Maybe. Well, we th- we need, I think we, you know, we're going to need to see because whenever you got sort of a concussion scenario, you never get an answer within a couple hours what's happening with the player down the road. But it, it was very confusing how it was managed where it went back and forth, he's being evaluated, he's fine. Oh, wait, suddenly he's not. And then suddenly you've got Brock Osweiler back on the field in what has to amount to a Week 17. You know, a lot of people out late at night last night in Houston for New Year's probably had some good dreams and some bad dreams. Some of them probably woke up in the middle of this game, saw Osweiler on the field, and thought, what on earth has happened to 2017 already? I haven't had a good rant in a while. Do we have time for one? We absolutely have time for a rant. All of you couch jockeys and concussion experts, give me a break. (laughs) Like, there's something nefarious going on because Tom Savage got cleared. Concussions aren't always cut and dry. You don't always notice the symptoms right away. So if the independent neurologist clears him and then tests him again a few minutes later and he he does have symptoms at that point, shut it, couch jockeys. Let the independent neurologist do his job. It's not some big conspiracy. Did anyone particularly stand out, anyone's opinion? There were several on Twitter, and you know who you are, so (laughs) pipe down, you clown. Did he injure himself on on a quarterback sneak? I would need to watch that more closely. Okay. Thank you for the detailed question. I should have known that. <laughs> no, because I if I can't remember if it was Tom Savage that 
Terry Bradshaw was woefully uh, out of date and out of step talking about concussions during halftime show today. I thought that's might who I thought that might be who you were were targeting, and there'd be other reasons to uh, you know be a little concerned about Terry Bradshaw's analysis at this point. But <laughs> I, I I have to be honest, I was I was tasked with watching this out the corner of my eye, and it paved the way. What? what how it, far in the corner was it? It was eye? pretty far. I was like, you know, I was like, you know, the the the, the league does not need to be more than seventeen weeks long. Because I don't need to see some of these teams. It wasn't just these two for well, more than 17 weeks. It is time for 20 of these teams to take a big old dirt nap yes. and vanish. Go to sleep. What does the robot have to say about this? Thank you. <laughs> oh, what was that? Thank you. Hey, listen, your robot's weird, Mark. I don't know what to make of that. I like that person thing. <laughs> Remember the 1980s movie Maximum Overdrive with ACDC soundtrack where the robots took over the world? I'll have to go look that up. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Um, all right. And now, a real commercial from an actual CBS primetime program that millions of humans watch. Miles from hell. He's bleeding out. The only way to save him. We need to stop the heart from beating. Is to kill him. Suspended animation? Scorpion. Monday. <laughs> I mean. I I got drunk last night. It was New Year's Eve. And uh, I, I never do this, but I went on Twitter drunk and I, I took some questions from podcast listeners. And someone asked, what was your favorite bit of the season? What was your favorite thing all season? And I couple I threw some things out there, um, you know. I, I think Wes, you're 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 lock it up. Um, uh, I think so, I, I don't remember what I tweeted at this point. But now that I think about it, Scorp- Scorpion uh, ads are right up there. I mean, nothing makes me happier when I hear them. What was it? We have to kill him in order to save him. Yeah, can we just one more time? Because I want to break this down just a little bit more. Miles from hell. He's bleeding out. The only okay. way to save him. We need to stop the heart from beating. Is to kill him. Suspended animation? Scorpion. <laughs> Monday. I mean, it's every week with these ads, it feels like six completely different type of ideas just smashed together in one soundbite. And millions and millions of people watch the show. One day in the offseason, I will sit down on my couch and binge watch every Scorpion episode ever. I don't think you come out better for that. Let's move on. Check in on the Jacksonville Indy tilt. Oh, yeah. Andrew takes the snap, sets up looks. He throws. Touchdown, Doyle! Jack Doyle! He did it! With nine seconds left in the game, Jack Doyle comes up with a great catch. And the Colts lead in the football game 23-20. to Bob Lamey with the call WFNI. Andrew Luck threw a one-yard touchdown pass to Jack Doyle, just nine seconds to play, lifting the Colts to a 24-20 win over the Jaguars. Uh, the Colts went 75 yards in 84 seconds without the aid of a timeout to win this game. Uh, the result, India avoids its first losing season since 2011. Of course, gentlemen, that was the infamous Suck for Luck campaign. Uh, the Jaguars, meanwhile, end another miserable year at 3-13. and Chris Wessling, what should be the focus of the Colts' offseason? How about a new general manager? One who will actually get some young legs and pass rushers on defense. And uh, the offensive line might finally have a nucleus they can build around. 
but they weren't ready to protect Andrew Luck for most of this year. Why not get a running back, too? Frank Gore's 33 years old and has zero big playability. I think you really need to construct this roster, which has been allowed to fall into disrepair over the last couple it's of It's like years. as if Gore was brought in at one point as the final piece in the puzzle. Right. But you are not in that world anymore. I do wonder because, you know, we call tomorrow Black Monday that actually very little fresh coaching GM firings seem to be announced on that Monday anymore. It's all Sunday night that you hear everything. And I, you know, we'll come out of this part of the show, but we've not heard anything about changes in Indy. I wonder if that could be something that might happen a couple days from now after they do sit down and talk. Jim Mersey said two weeks ago that he had no changes in mind. He would have to review it at the end of the season. But the way he spoke, it did not seem like Chuck Pagano's job was in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. Which is really interesting to me because it looked like Pagano was done last year. He comes back, and they have another disappointing year. But it's not all on him, obviously. There's personnel issues with this team. And their goal, their goal from an overarching uh, macro point of view is they need to – Avoid burning off another year of their quarterback's prime, which is what they did this year. Yeah. And he's still young. I think he'll probably be 27 by opening day next year. So you you would think health allows he'll have another five to ten years after that. But, you, I mean, you just can't give away the guy's 20s with these flawed teams. Colts, worth noting, 68-point advantage in point differential over the Texans this year. Wow. There you go. Uh, by the way, Colts linebacker Robert Mathis played his final game. Nice season. Hall of Famer? I think he'll end up in the Hall of Very Good just because there are so many good pass rushers from, from his generation whom I think were more well-rounded players. And uh, one last note. Jags lady, listen up. You can't have a newcomer come in and steal a show. Well, maybe it's time to steal a show. And also, if you say you got a, a beach house, don't, don't tell strangers uh, that it's right on the beach and then correct yourself. Because you can't live with the guilt of lying to uh, a television reporter. Anyway, the Jaguars win by year since their last 500 season in 2010. Five, two, four, three, five, and now three. Not easy being a Jaguars fan. No. Sorry, guys. Uh, let's check in on last year's NFC champion. Yikes. Can the Bucks stop Cam Newton? Two-point try. Here's the snap. Looking. Fire power. It is incomplete. At the goal line, knocked down by Keith Tandy, but Tandy man tail again. <laughs> nice job. Gene Deckerhoff, WFUS, with the call. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers broke up Cam Newton's two-point conversion attempt with 17 seconds to play the decisive play in a 17-16 win over the Panthers, who follow up a 15-1 Super Bowl season with a 6-10 stink bomb. Speaking of stink bombs, Newton struggled once again, throwing three more interceptions in the losing effort. Um, Mark, looking at Newton's 2015 and 2016 stats side by side, it's pretty jarring. What went wrong, and, and should Panthers fans be worried that this could be the new normal? Is this Cam Newton? It's interesting that he's paired in a quarterback room with Derek Anderson, who seemed to also have a one fantastic deal-with-the-devil type season that never, ever came around again. They're different quarterbacks, but I like, I like what Max Meyer, our editor downstairs, wrote about this in the write-up was that Cam Newton's performance was just as bad as what Mar Mariah Carey offered in Times Square last night, which, you know, also received terrible reviews from, from the world in general. And she deserved those reviews, and Cam Newton de deserves his poor reviews this season, Wes. Yeah, it's interesting. Ron Rivera and I had a back-and-forth on Cam Newton this week. Did you know about that? No. Oh, yeah. He wrote that 
Cam Newton is going to have to evolve. He's going to have to become a different style of player. So then I wrote an article saying they should use the Steelers' Big Ben model because four years ago the Steelers came to Big Ben said, we don't want you to be a physical marvel anymore. We want you to be a more cerebral quarterback, stand in the pocket, get rid of the ball faster, and become a better quarterback, like more of a Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, pre-snap kind of quarterback. Panthers website writer goes to to Ron Rivera and says, hey, Chris Wessling of NFL.com said, look, we've got the Big Ben model here. Is that a good model for Cam Newton? And Ron Rivera said, yes, that's what we want to do. Get the ball out faster. We want wow. to use the Big Ben model. I mean, you also played it's about a, me. You played a role in giving wow, him the I Riverboat Ron nickname. So, look, I you know, two plugged in. Huh? Riverboat Ron, and we're uh, what's the right word? We're simpatico. Yes, you are. You are. You are simpatico. I like Riverboat, but I think they. <laughs> the, here's what they need to do. They need to switch the offense. I wonder if Mike Shula is going to stay offensive coordinator because the way they've been hinting that kind of hybrid college pro scheme. They probably want to get rid of that and go all pro, uh, all NFL scheme and get rid of the college stuff. Not, not as many designed runs, but also they need to draft a running back. And they need to straighten out a running game that went 35 straight games over 100 yards. And then this season, five games in the second half of the season without 100 yards. I mean, it, it's, it's funny, though, because what coordinator that today is being touted as the greatest thing that's happened Next year, for a year from now, is going to be the guy who's maybe out of a job. Because last year, Shula had all these think pieces being written about him all through January, and how quickly that fades. I'm not saying he should be fired. I just wonder, especially since... Yeah, one other of Ron people Re- have asked the same thing. One of Ron Rivera's coaching mentors is Norv Turner, who is now free to coach any offense he wants to, mm. if he wants to get off his couch. The Bucks had a very, very slim chance of making the playoffs today. It didn't work out. Uh, they needed like 13 things to go their way. It did not. But they still finished 9-7, and seven, and uh, their first winning record since 2010. Uh, and James Winston, the first quarterback ever to throw for 4,000 yards in each of his first two seasons. So, you know, uniforms aside and, and horizon line of, uh, of the stadium with the sun, <laughs> uh, things are looking up for Tampa. I agree. Things are really looking up. Yeah, I I want to figure out what they're going to do with Doug Martin, who's so important to that offense. But Mike Evans is a future all-pro receiver if he doesn't get it this year. Jameis Winston's the real deal. They've got so many building blocks. Probably have to beef up that offensive line a little bit and then got a couple more playmakers on defense. But I think it's a very promising season for them. Absolutely. I mean, it was a couple months ago we were wondering if Dirk Cotter was going to be one and done and I see them more as like you look at last year's Atlanta Falcons figuring out what they were under a new coach. Then maybe the Bucks are the next team in that division to make a leap and and not toy with the playoffs next year, but get there. Um, you want to talk about electric scenes to the Meadowlands? Pooch kick from Nick Folk falls inside the ten yard line, rolls all the way back into the end zone. That's a loose ball. Who's got it? I think the, the Jets, Jets have a touchdown. Nick Folk kicked it to no man's land, and no player for Buffalo went near it. Mike Gillisley tried to save it. It rolled into the end zone. Doug Middleton jumped on top of it, and the Jets have scored a very odd special teams touchdown with 3.21 to go. Bob with shoes and WEPN. The Bills wrapped a week from hell with a gnarly performance in their season finale. The Jets scored a touchdown on a Nick Folk kickoff into the end zone, which you just heard. What else needs to be said? The game was well in hand by that point. The final 30-10 to 10 in favor of the Jets, who finish a disappointing 5-11 and 11 in Todd Bowles' second season. Uh, the 7-9 and nine Bills now enter an offseason loaded with uncertainties. 
Uh, one thing we do know, E.J. Manuel should not be part of their future. He was dreadful in this game and eventually uh, got uh, yanked in favor of Cardell Jones. And I don't know if um, if that was their plan the whole game. It very, my, very well might have been, but it could have easily have been for performance issues. We know the background of this by now that Tyrod Taylor got benched for financial reasons. Uh, but if you needed any other uh, look into the soul of E.J. Manuel, the football player, uh, not a good look today. Missing receivers all over the field. What a disappointing performance for Anthony Lynn, too, because this is a guy that 24 hours ago, teams fighting over Anthony Lynn. Can Buffalo even keep him in Buffalo? And I, I, I hope they don't hold this game against him. Well, it's, it's not just situation. It's, you're right, and yeah. I, it's not just that. It's just that wasn't I, he forced to play EJ Manuel? Right, well, he was, but I, you, I still don't say that this definitely persuades the general manager to get rid of EJ Manuel. (laughs) I'll tell you why. He's lived through all this stuff already. It's ridiculous. Doug Whaley is the man that drafted EJ Manuel and is somehow still going to be in charge of uh, choosing who the next head coach is. But you would think this guy has played himself out of town. We'll we'll see. Uh, But one thing, I don't like what's going on in Buffalo at all. On Saturday, uh, this was a a post on Deadspin uh, that I saw that I thought was interesting. The the Bills put out a highlight video, like a two-minute oh. highlight reel of their entire season, uh, like a sizzle reel type thing, and they went to the pains of keeping Tyrod Taylor out of the video entirely. What? Yeah, so obviously it is a, uh, a nuclear situation behind the scenes there around Tyrod Taylor. What it's the em- hell? It's embarrassing, and you wonder who's calling that shot because how were you not going to be found out? Yeah. It was going to look bad no matter what. Very weird. And uh, it came out after the game that both Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnin are safe in New York. I think that's the right call. And I thought because the season was over, um, it would be good to check in with my old man, uh, Keith Hansis, his thoughts on the end of another uh, empty Jet season. His name is Keith. He's Dan's dad. No doubt about it, he's a big Jets fan. What is he going to say? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, win today <laughs> gives him a record of 5-11. and 11. Very disappointing season. Uh, I thought we had a lot of high hopes going into it. It just didn't work out. One of the key things I felt was uh, the number of injuries that they had, 72, which was tops for the league. Um, as far as improvement goes, obviously they still need to find a quarterback. Uh, hopefully they can come up with somebody and they need to beef up that offensive line. Start with those two things. And uh, they'll have to make a decision on Revis, uh, which way they're going to go. As far as uh, Bowles goes, I think they should give Bowles one more chance. If they start off slow or if the team starts quitting, which at times it appeared to, then he's got to go. But uh, give him another shot next year and see how it rolls. Okay. Take care. Bye. He's right. A lot of big decisions need to be made, and the offensive line has been a, a point that they have they have not really invested in that line. Uh, no first-round picks in years. And, in fact, only uh, one second-round pick uh, years ago, King and Ugly, um, I can't even remember his name anymore, but that, a draft pick that didn't work out. So they need to invest. I would not be surprised if they go offensive line in the first round. Start building a core uh, it's a rebuild. King oh. Ugly, I'd like a couple of those guys on my offense. Vlad Dukas was his name. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, Chan Gailey's out, right? It sounds like he's out, yes. And they want 
a offensive coordinator who uses a tight end and uses the ground attack more than Chan Gailey did. Yeah, and I think uh, it became kind of a, a run. It was fine. Let, Hello, Greg way. Roman. Yeah, I don't know which way they're going to go. And, and Chan Gailey, it's, it, these things always strike me as a little odd because Todd Bowles, your job's safe, but you need to make changes. So it's like, okay, what am I going to do? All right, I guess I'll follow the O.C., you know, they had the, a top 10 offense last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Nobody was complaining about Chan Gailey uh, then. He had a bad year, but his the team, and I've said it many times, the roster was very poor this season, and can, then they got beat up with injuries. Can I get Mark's opinion on the game's ultimate mercenary accusing the Jets of having no loyalty? <laughs> oh, it's annoying. It's an annoying subplot for a team that has too many distractions late this season. Darrell Revis, who should be – A, you're bringing Darrell Revis back, I thought, to be a leader and to be the guy that kind of can remind everyone how important it is to play for the Jets and what it means. And some of the stuff that came out, the quotes, I think it was on Friday. The Jets have to show class. I, it's, it, well, to you know. me – you know what? Jets fans in general, I tweeted something about it, and you hear a lot back from the fan base when, when, when you throw someone out there like that. And it was 95% – Jets fans that had were fed up with Revis. Yeah, it's it, you know delusional comments. That out, he has no leverage, and he's still acting like he has leverage. Uh, let's move on. And uh, oh, by the way, still, still uh, no Christian Hackenberg. Christian Hackenberg is real. <laughs> I was going to say, Tom Savage is not the guy for that comment anymore, right? Uh, let's uh, check in on the team of ATL. Bradford passes out of it, pats the ball, fire center of the field, caught Rudolph at the five, leap through the end zone, touchdown! For Kyle Rudolph, the 29th receiving touchdown of his career, which is a new Minnesota Vikings record for tight ends, and it's 16-0 Vikes. Paul Allen, KFAN, with the call. The team of ATL went out on a high note. Sam Bradford tossed three first-half touchdowns, leading the Vikings to a 38-10 victory over the woeful Bears. The Vikings, uh, who started 5-0, and finish 8-8. Uh, eight and eight. Uh, The Bears, well, yeah. The Bears, it could be worse. It could be the Bears, who finished 3-13, and their worst record ever since the NFL expanded to a 16-game schedule in 1978 and the most tied for the most losses in franchise history. Mark Bradford set the completion percentage record, uh, uh, breaking Drew Brees' uh, record, stayed healthy and had a solid season overall. Is he the Vikings' starter in Week 1 next September? Completely unknown because you have to find out where you are with Teddy Bridgewater's recovery and health. And Answer the question. Yes. I, you think he is? Yes. I, I think I think he showed a ton this year. It was easily the best year of his career. And you can say Pat Shermer's dink and dunk offense got him that completion mark, but he was the most accurate quarterback in the NFL this year on intermediate and deep throws. When he was asked to go deep, he did it very efficiently and very well. So you just keep Teddy Bridgewater buried as a backup? Your former I don't know that Teddy Bridgewater is ever going to be Teddy Bridgewater again with that, I, the severity of that injury. But regardless, Sam Bradford was better this year than, than Bridgewater showed at any point. Well, I think they were expecting a big leap from Bridgewater, number one, uh, in this offense. I'm not sure that would have happened with the way things played out. But I would say this, that you have to promote competition between those two after the way Bridgewater was lost. That's what I would do as a coach. That's, that's Just fair. Just have them compete. I don't think there's a, a clear yes or no right now at all. Yeah, and, I, you know, I would think <clears throat> the trade would be a failure if you looked at Bradford as a one-and-done because they gave him a first. People kind of forget now because it was so crazy yeah. when it all happened. They have a first-round pick to get Sam Bradford to, 
And, you know, maybe it was a kind of a scramble because they ha- thought they had a Super Bowl contender like a lot of people did. I think they did think that. And it, it didn't work out. But he did show enough, you would think, that he should be on their grid as a, a long-term answer. The only other thing I'd say, and I and it's easy to look to look back if you're a Vikings fan and be agitated with handing away a high pick for a quarterback uh, in that moment, is that if they had gone 2-14 and 14 or something with, with Sean Hill under center, jobs are lost. And they, they you, you cannot – really convince teams to keep you around through terrible seasons. We just saw that with Mike McCoy. I think Sam Bradford will – he might be an injury risk for the majority of his career, for the rest of his career. But the game film from this year says they found their quarterback. And if that's Mm. the case, the the first-round pick isn't that much to give up. And you know what? Bradford, despite his health this year, has had injury issues. You need a solid backup. Teddy Bridgewater can be the backup if, the, if this is the direction they go. And maybe he gets his opportunity and wins the job. I think it's not sure. It's not the worst situation to be in. Well, I think we know that. Capable guys. Absolutely. It's not like you're going to – you have to get rid of one of them before next season. No. Uh, and one note on the, the Bears' side, who they, they ended the season, they were being frisky for a bit there in December, and then it kind of crumbled in the last couple of games. Uh, but Rap Sheet reported that John Fox, his job uh, is safe, as is the, the, the jobs of his staff. So it looks like he will be back for a third season and gets a chance to turn around, hopefully, uh, the, for the Bears fans, with a, a young quarterback they can get behind. Yeah, one last thing. Matt Barkley really fell apart in the last few weeks, and any sentiment that he was going to enter next year as the starter be re-signed as the starter is out the window entirely. Uh, let's move on to the L.A. Coliseum, a sparse L.A. Coliseum. First and 15 on the 34. Mannion throws far side. It's juggled and picked off by Bethel. He's going to take it back at the 40, at the 30, at the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Cardinals. 43-6 to six mm. on the pick six. Dave Pash, KTAR. The Arizona Cardinals finished strong, obliterating the Rams 44-6 in front of approximately 314 people at the L.A. Coliseum. Yeah, but bring another NFL team to L.A. Do not botch. Please. NFL, come back to us. You do not you waited decades to get this L.A. situation right. You wanted to get the perfect setup. This is this does not feel right to bring the Chargers into this situation right now. With the Couldn't Rams agree more with you. Uh, the way they are. Anyway. Uh, Carson Palmer threw three touchdown passes, and the Cardinals thrived despite losing David Johnson to a knee injury. Um, we don't know the severity, uh, but they believe his ACL is intact, and it might be a meniscus injury, and, and, that, and that's good news. Uh, that's th- bad news. That's kind of good news. Anyway, that's a sour ending to a brilliant season for David Johnson. As for the Rams, yikes, West, they finished 4-12. and They have no juice whatsoever, and uh, we're hearing those reports of Sean Payton being connected to the team. Yeah, I, I think if you're if you're a Rams fan, you, you can look at 31 teams in the NFL remained pretty competitive till the end, where you thought they might be able to upset a team, and then you had Jared Goff's Rams, which gave no threat to anyone really, just in complete ineptitude on offense. The offensive line got worked over by the Cardinals' defensive front today, and Goff was miserable again. I think if you're a Rams fan, you're looking at, okay, guys who were number one overall picks who were. This bad for stretches of the rookie seasons were Eli Manning and Alex Smith. You hope that maybe they can turn it around like they did. I The Rams are just a – they've been a hard watch all year. The best thing that's happened is that the floor's kind of fallen out, and you hope that you get 
reorganization with a coach that can you actually bring in a staff that develops players on offense to start. You can't toy around with that anymore. And uh, we talked about it on Thursday show. Uh, Carson Palmer was playing better down the stretch. He had another nice game today. Uh, I believe Larry Fitzgerald ended uh, with a league lead in receptions. He uh, did indeed. And you, you you hope that David Johnson, he, he he's right by, uh, by training camp, uh, and they take another shot at this because obviously there's still some – there's no juice in L.A. There's still some juice in Arizona despite uh, a frustrating 7-8-1 season. Yeah, they go 7-8-1, and one, and and if they had a few special teams gaffes go a different, different way, they'd be in the playoffs right now. I mean, a, a more successful kicker probably would have made them you're, – you're, you're winning maybe 10 games with a different kicker. Now, let's check out what the robot – I'm just curious with the robot, uh, some computation from the robot. What would happen – where's the robot sit? Thank you. <laughs> no, we need to <laughs> forget it. Forget it. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Sunday Night Football. Oh, Sunday night. Aaron Rodgers said that the Green Bay Packers could run the table six weeks ago. That's exactly what they did. Lions rush four. There goes Rodgers again. Looking to the outside again. Throwing and it is. Caught for a touchdown by Geronimo Allison. I mean, you just you can't stop him if he does that. The amazing quarterback threw four touchdown passes, 27 of 39 for 300 yards, no interceptions. Another brilliant performance um, by the two-time MVP in a 31 to 17 win over the Detroit Lions. Um, another one. One more. We triple locked it, gentlemen. We lock it up. <laughs> yes, we all locked up the Packers. We felt confident uh, that they were going to finish the job, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, the 31-17 win where they clearly looked like the better team in this game, and Rodgers was simply Chris Wessling, the best player on the field as he's been for a month and a half now. He's dragging this team into the playoffs. Carrying this team like no other player in the league right now, I believe, and playing at a high level. It was so amazing to see his legs. You know, that's a great sign going into the playoffs. A guy with a calf injury a couple weeks ago, making plays, extending plays uh, in a way that a lot of quarterbacks just can't do. And it. Oh, Sunday night. Wait a minute. This, this Sydney bit just grows in its <laughs> magnificence every week. That sounded like it came out of an LA sound studio. Was, that was Phil Collins on drums, by the way. <laughs> so impressed. So impressed that we don't have to hear that song again until next September, hopefully. That's true. That thing is out of my life. Out of your life. Oh, well, so you thought. thought. We're still going to have late Sunday games. Well, I'm not going to appear oh, for those. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Get your last little shot in. I was going to say, Go ahead. If, if, we are, if we're button-free for a minute, Sydney. Um, that uh, but well, you got to press a button <laughs> to make that happen. Uh, it's that the playoff seedings, which we've I think you know a little bit, we've avoided talking definitively because we needed this game yeah. to finish. Oh, the playoff robot? Yes. Wheel them out. Very not very, lumbering machine. Yeah. Want me to go through this quickly? Yes, we would love. All to right. Hear. So in the AFC, obviously the Patriots and Chiefs have sealed up the one and two seed, respectively. And then in a game 
out of the AFC that feels very much has a little West of his flavor to it. The quickly fading Oakland Raiders visiting the Houston Texans, which that feels like an early Saturday game to me. It is. The uh, time slots are out. Oh, they are. That is Saturday at 4.35 p.m. Eastern time. Competing robot. Well, and beautiful. So later on Saturday, and this, Dan, we went through this during the game, and I think we nailed this right down to the final minute. Uh, Late Saturday will be Detroit at Seattle. Then on Sunday, you get the Miami Dolphins at the Pittsburgh Steelers early, and then the New York Giants visiting the Green Bay Packers. Eli Manning 2-0 against the Packers in the playoffs on Sunday afternoon. Marquee matchup. Winter is here. <laughs> well, the, the the Giants, yeah, that will be fun. The the last two times we've seen the the Giants in Green Bay in the playoffs, they've pulled off uh, what people thought to be upsets, including a 15 and one Packers team. Uh, so we get that that will be built up throughout the week. But you know, back to this game. Uh, yeah. So Aaron Rodgers again, and we we talked about it earlier in the show. Matt Ryan deserves the MVP, but Aaron Rodgers kept his name in what's been a really fun race this year. Uh, 40 touchdowns, Wes, he finishes with, leading the NFL. Uh, like you said, drags the Packers from 4-6 and six to 10-6 and six to another NFC uh, North title. And then you look on the other side of the field, and what can you say? The Detroit Lions, uh, we, we saw this when they were 9-4. and four. When you looked at the schedule, uh, they were they looked a little soft at nine and four, and then when they played some good teams, when the games counted the most, they crumbled each time. And what makes you think things will be any different, uh, Wes, in the playoffs? Nothing. They finished with a minus nineteen point differential, which isn't quite as bad as the Houston Texans, but there are middling teams such as the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Titans, the Colts, who have much better point differentials than the D- Detroit Lions, that tells me that they're not nearly as good as their 9-7 and seven record says they are, and I think they're going to be outclassed in Seattle. And what a difference between hosting the New York Giants in your own building next week had they beaten Green Bay tonight versus going to Seattle next week. I'm not saying this is the Seattle team of recent years necessarily, but I can't think of a tougher place to play. In January. Did I say the final score was 31-17? It's actually 31-24 because in the final waning seconds, Matty Stafford threw it with a, basically was a Hail Mary to get it to 31-24. It doesn't matter. All Not cosmetic. Time. Make uh, that minus 12-point differential then. There you go. <laughs> so uh, the bottom line is the Lions are uh, you know sliding into the playoffs, and the only reason they're even in the postseason is because the Redskins totally choked against the uh, the Giants. Spit the bit. Today. Spit the bit in a big spot. So there you go. The uh, the Green Bay Packers uh, flying high into the playoffs, and uh, I don't want to face them. Who's the most dangerous team in the playoffs right now? I'll keep the Cowboys in it. Who's the most dangerous team in the NFC playoffs right now in terms of who, who would you not want to see, especially in their building? Atlanta Falcons for me. Over the Cowboys. I Right now, over the course of the season, the Cowboys, but the Falcons are putting up 35 to 50 points every game. I could make the case for the Packers. I think the Cowboys are right there, too. The Falcons' defense still worries me. I, I do think their offense is an incredible juggernaut, but I think you can take them down, pound it out, and make their defense pay. I'm much more excited uh, as a football fan uh, by the NFC playoffs. I think there could be some – you never know how this plays out on the AFC side. Things can get crazy, but there's some teams that aren't too exciting. Uh, in the NFC, there's, there's some really deserving teams uh, uh, that could d- could 
be in the Super Bowl, and it's well, be fun to see how Peaking plays at out. the right time. I mean, when you, whether you, it's the Packers or the Falcons, and, and certainly the Cowboys haven't faded at all, I and mean, they're all peaking at the right time. As impressive as the Chiefs and Steelers have been of late, I still can't escape the feeling that the Patriots are such a good team, so well-rounded that they're going to come out of the AFC, but the NFC, you guys are right, riveting playoff football in the NFC this year. Okay, so that is uh, the, the final uh, Sunday night regular season podcast. I'm going to call it. Fifteen out of seventeen good shows. I won't. I won't say which two shows didn't work. <laughs> I have a suspicion, but I, I won't ask you to name it. No, but uh, great work by everyone. Great work behind the glass. Um, on, we'll be back on Tuesday. You will check in on our sandwich props that we made, uh, both before the season and then halfway through the season when we added some more. See who came out on top, who got banged in a big spot, and we should also check in on the fork. How do we do with the fork? All that stuff, Tuesday. Um, until then. This is Dan Hansen signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, New Money, and Greg Rosenthal live from San Diego. My God. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.